This morning, I want to begin a series we called, I'm calling Extraordinary Living. And I'll unpack it in a little bit. But um, the verse comes from John chapter 10, which is a verse that all of you are familiar with. But, but you know, I think, I don't know about you, but it's like, man, the world is getting crazy. And, uh, you know, there's a sense that, man, it seems like people are losing their mind. And it's getting crazy and crazy by the day. And, in fact, Jesus predicted it, that it was going to happen. But I find that, you know, more and more people are having to, to, uh, to live on antidepressants. They're stressed out. They're discouraged. They're, they're not living with uh, excitement or joy. Every day there seems like more and more people that are in the mulligrubs and in the pit of life. And I believe that the Lord still wants the church to live extraordinary. Extraordinary living. Amen. And what I found is what Jesus says that he wants for me and what I have to or what I live in day by day, sometimes it's not the same. And I found that this Christianity that you and I are living in, it's not for sissies. It's not for wimps. It's for somebody that says, I don't care how hard it is or how tough the battle gets. I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm going to live an extraordinary life in Jesus name. That's not a good enough witness right now. Even though if you, if you struggling with receiving that, come on, just say amen. Come on, say amen. That's the kind of life Jesus wants us to live, right? The verses in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come, or I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now this verse, how many of you are familiar with that verse? How many of you could quote it frontwards and backwards, right? This verse is sandwiched between other verses where Jesus reveals his heart and his purpose for coming to the earth. You see, um, in following John 10.10, 10, is some very important verses that help us understand what Jesus was saying when he quoted John 10.10. 10. And I want you to read that with me in verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hard hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. How many of you get a good picture right there? It's clear from reading these verses that John 10.10 10, was the vision and the mission of Jesus. It's a declarative verse where he's declaring who he was and why he came. And he says, this is why I came. Do you want to know what motivated Jesus to leave the splendor of heaven and come down here to a sin-filled, corrupted earth? There it is right there. 
He declares his vision and his mission right here in John 10, 10. The purpose of Jesus coming was for the health and well-being of God's people. How many of you know he loves us and he wants to help us? Amen. That's his heart. He came that we might live above average. Not just average, above average. Everybody lives. Everybody that has a heartbeat today is living. But Jesus didn't come that you just, your heart might beat. He came that you might live above average. Amen. So he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came. When he says I came, that speaks of his purpose and his mission. Why did he come? Well, he says, he says, I came that they may have life. And he don't stop there. He says, I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. Come on, how many of you know that? That's where Lanyap comes from. And I just thought of that. Lanyap, right? A little extra, a little more, right? And so when he says, I came, he speaks of his purpose and mission. And so the hard purpose of Jesus was to really improve our lives, to make our lives better. And so, so the verse is packed with incredible hope and encouragement for every one of us today. How many of you know the gospel is good news? I mean, listen, as pastors, we have a way of taking good news and making it bad news, but it's the gospel and it is good news. Amen. And so listen, I came that they might have life. That word zoe is a power-packed word. And it means a life that is filled with vitality, with zest. And so he's saying, listen, I, you know, I give the picture. I came that you might not live a boudet life as a Christian. I mean, you got to add some Cajun vernacular in there, right? I came so that you didn't have to live with a boudet lip. I came that you might have a smile on your face and you might be excited about life. That's the kind of life I want to live. What about you? And so abundant life in the Greek means to be above and beyond what is regular. And it means extraordinary. Jesus came that we might have or live extraordinary lives filled with vitality, gusto, and vigor. And don't forget the sacrifice that he was willing to make so we can live that kind of life. He has the, he has the authority to give us that kind of life. He paid the price so that we can live that kind of life. Because he laid down his life. He's not a hireling. He's a good shepherd. When the enemy, when the wolf comes to try to mess with the sheep, he don't run away. He stands guard and he says, get away from my children. Amen. Come on. I believe we need to hear this in this day and age. We have a good shepherd. Amen. And so listen, living an extraordinary life does not mean you live a life free from problems and trials. That's not what it means. In fact, Jesus assures us that won't be the case, right? And, and we mentioned this Wednesday night, John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have thraka. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus didn't say, you, you, you may have trials. Or, or he didn't say, well, you, you might have trials. No, you know what he said? You will. You will. And so if somebody told you Christianity is this tiptoe through the tulips life, that's not accurate. 
Jesus said in this world, you're going to have problems. How many of you, as a Christian, you've been living for the Lord and you say, amen, brother. Trials, troubles, difficulties are part of life, right? And so sometimes we get disillusioned when we say, ha, I'm a Christian and I got a trial. Jesus said it would happen. You can't escape life's difficulties. You can't escape trouble. Amen. So having said that, an extraordinary life doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. Although that could happen. How many of you say, I want to be a candidate? An extraordinary life doesn't mean you're going to have this amazing life of comfort and ease, free from all trouble. It doesn't mean everything is going to turn out perfectly, just like you plan. Can I get an amen? In my view, an extraordinary life means you can live a rich and a satisfying life regardless of what curveballs or roadblocks that comes your way. Amen? I believe that you can live a life of peace and contentment regardless of whether you have an abundance of provision or you experience a lack of provision. The extraordinary life Jesus promises, I think, is a, is a life filled with emotional, spiritual, and mental health and strength regardless of what you face in life. Amen? And so the extraordinary life, it's a, it's a, it's a misnomer. It's, it's not accurate to think, oh, he said, I'm having an abundant life means, man, every day is going to be great. It's going to be perfect. No, no, no. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to give you life and give you abundantly. But are you going to have trouble? But I believe he's going to give you the ability to overcome those troubles and those situations. Amen. And so here's what I think an extraordinary life uh, means. Living an extraordinary life means you'll have a better life than you thought was possible. A better life than you thought was possible. That's true of my life. What about your life? Those of you that have been a Christian, how many of you say, man, God has been good? How many of you say, man, God has not been good? I wish I would have never served him. Anybody feel that way? We're going to cast it out. If anybody, right? But how many, how many of you would agree that since you've been serving God, your life is better than it was? You know it's better than it was if it wouldn't. I'm telling you, I know without a doubt, I would either be dead, I would either be in jail, I would not be, I would certainly not be in a pulpit preaching and people would actually stay in the building and listen to me preach. That would have never happened. Amen. That would have never happened. I can tell you that my life is better than I dreamed of. And that's the kind of life the Lord wants to give you is a life better than you dreamed of. Amen. In John 10, 10 in the message, it says, I came so that they might have can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Amen. You know, uh, this uh, Friday, Tanya and I, we had a birthday party for for Penelope yesterday. She's four years old today. Yes, amen. I think she thinks she's 21, but she's four. But we had a, we had a great time. But on uh, Friday, we went to Walmart and uh, we were shopping. And right when we walked in, this lady comes up and, and, and comes and gives us a hug. And I was, I was like, qui c'est ça? You know, like in French, that's who is that? You know, and so I, I didn't know the lady, but she says, you, you don't know me? She kind of looked familiar. She said, oh, I'm so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, I go to church in Family Life in Abbeville. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you came the other day and preached. Yeah, yeah, and so we just talked about that. And she said, oh, listen, I'm telling you, my life has changed so much since I started going to church 
at Family Life in Abbeville. He said, man, life is totally different, right? And she said it, and, and then, you know, we said, well, God bless you. Have a good Walmart trip. Bye, you know. But I, I'm thinking these thoughts. And I'm thinking, what is this lady saying? She's saying, hey, my, my life, I seem to have one problem after another, one trouble after another. I'm telling you, she said since I've been going to church, but I know what she means. It's not because she's going to church. It's because she's serving the Lord. That's what she means. She don't know exactly how to articulate it, but what she means is since I've been serving the Lord, my life is better than when I wasn't serving the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And so I believe that she was saying the Lord is improving my life in leaps and bounds. It's better than I ever dreamed of. Amen. I don't know if you believe this or not. I'm hoping by the end of today that you will. But the Lord has the ability to improve our lives and surpass our wildest expectations when it comes to the quality of our life. Amen. An extraordinary life is having more life than you can possibly use. An overflowing kind of life. You got some life to spare. How many of you say, tell me more, tell me more. It's having such a surplus of life that other people's lives around us begin to improve. You see, when Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it extraordinary, extraordinarily or abundantly, I believe what he's saying is that, Todd, I got enough life for you to live and to, to, to do good, but I want to give you so much life that when people get around you, they are invigorated with life just to be in your presence. Come on. I believe God wants to make you a life-giving Christian, a life-giving worker, a life-giving neighbor, a life-giving person wherever you go and whatever you do. Amen? Come on. How many of you think that's great news right there? So, you're, you know, an extraordinary life is when your life goes beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary. When it moves beyond the natural into the supernatural. Do you believe that's possible? And so now to back up a little bit. Here's, here's what's just stirring inside of me. The world's getting crazy. It seems like it's hard. Life is harder and harder. There's more battles. There's more struggles. Is it possible for the church to live an extraordinary life despite what's going on around us? I believe it is. And the Lord's ministering to me this morning and say, Todd, don't let the culture, don't let society, don't let things around you to determine what my promise is to you. I said I came that you might have life. I paid a high price that you might have life. Todd, won't you just live an extraordinary life? Can I encourage you today? God wants you to know that he didn't die on the cross. He didn't shed his blood so you could live your life barely making it. He came so that you could have a life infused with his power and his grace so that you would have some life to spare to bless other people around you. Amen. Extraordinary living comes by living the grace-filled life. See, that's the difference between Christianity and non-Christianity. You know, in today's world, you know, the world continues trying to make counterfeit, counterfeit solutions to Jesus's solution. Like, you know, you can, uh, the, you know, the whole, uh, you know, you could just, you could just close your eyes and meditate and, you know, breathe deeply and you're going to be fine. No, no, no. You need the grace of God on your breathing deeply. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? Come on. You can have, 
Yeah, let, let me stop. Let me go on. Okay. Extraordinary lives comes from living the grace-filled life. That's where it comes from, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. In 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul told Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Where is the grace, saints? It's in Christ Jesus. That's where grace is at, right? To be strong in grace means to be filled and live a grace-filled life. It's God's grace that makes extraordinary living possible. See, somebody said, well, Todd, if I won the lotto and I got $100 million, brother, I would live an extraordinary life. No. They, they, I, I promise you there's a lot of people that would say, no. You say, well, if I had the popularity of some of these superstars, if I could play football, you know, like Drew Brees, I mean, I would live an extraordinary life. Folks, you can have all the power. You can have all the money. You can have all the notoriety. You can have everything that the world has to offer. And you will not live an extraordinary life. Because an extraordinary life does not come from natural resources. It comes from supernatural resources. You're not going to have an extraordinary life and say, if I had a good husband, if I had a good wife, if I had a mate, if I had, if I would be out of school, if I wouldn't have to work all day. It, that's not where extraordinary living comes from. It comes from the grace of God. That's where it comes from. Amen. And so how do you live a grace-filled life? Let me just unpack this a little bit. Number one, to live the grace-filled life means receiving the grace to enjoy redemptive living. Now, that's a big word, redemptive living. It's not a word we use a lot except redeeming green stamps or something like that, which they don't have those anymore. Some of you say, what is that? You know, But redemptive living means you're living free from your past sins, your past mistakes, and your past failures. Now, how do you live free from your past sins, mistakes, and failures? By receiving the grace of God, right? Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Redemption means to buy out and was used specifically in reference to the purchase of a slave that was on the slave block. And, and the picture is, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and sin came into the world, and you and I sin, we become a slave. We don't realize it. We think we are free, but we're not. We're slaves to sin. And the grace of God buys us off the sin, the sin block. Jesus says, I'll pay whatever you want to get him or her off the slave block. And redemption says, you are now free from your past sins, mistakes, and failures. Praise the Lord for that. That's what Christ did for us, right? And the, listen, the reality is some of us can't live an abundant life because we're dragging around our past. And so how can you live an extraordinary life when you're dragging this weight, a wagon with no wheels that is filled with your past mistakes, failures, and sins. And in reality, I think that's what's happening to some of us. We say, I don't know why 
Like you up there and you, you know, spitting and saying extraordinary life. I ain't living that kind of life. Well, maybe you need to live the redemptive life and you need to receive the message of the grace of God. Amen. You can live an abundant, extraordinary life in while you're living under guilt, condemnation of your past sins and mistakes. You know, listen, after I got saved, I still had a lot of trouble with my identity. Now, you know, I, I, I say this. I want to be careful, but, you know, like whenever I grew up, I got introduced to drugs at 11 years old, a small town. And uh, my mom and dad made us have short hair and everybody laughed at us. And they said, OK, you can grow your hair out. So we did. So I had hair, you know, as longer than Tanya's. And so people laughed at me and said, look at this girl. You know, he's got long hair. And, and, and everybody in the community knew the Menard brothers. They were the ones that did drugs. And so I, I grew up with this. This stigma that that guy right there, he's a loser, he's a druggie, he, he's, you know, don't let your kids go around him. I grew up with that, and then I got saved, and God delivered me from drugs, amen? And I cut my hair too, amen? If I'd have known the Bible story, I might have left it long because I might have been stronger, amen? But I just say that for the simple reason of after I got saved, I still struggled with this stigma. And even though I had been forgiven, I'd get around some people and I felt it from them. Oh, that's that Menard boy. And so it was hard to live an extraordinary life, even as a Christian, when my past was hanging on to me. But you know what? Once I started to understand the message of grace, grace forgives you, and somebody else might call you a druggie, but Jesus calls you redeemed. Forgiven, delivered, no longer the same. Come on, you can't live an extraordinary life if you're hanging on to your past. Amen. And so my past was holding me back, but thank God he set me free. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Living a grace-filled life means you receive forgiveness. So somebody comes up to me, man, I remember you. I remember going to school with you. I remember you. I remember who you were. Yeah, that was me. In fact, people still today. I mean, you. some of you, every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody. Hey, I met somebody that went to school with you, and I just smile. <laughs> so tell me about how that conversation went. Yeah, I told them you were my pastor. And, and whether they did, well, I told them to get up off the ground and, you know, but, you know, listen, in their minds, I'm still that person they knew back there. But brothers and sisters, I'm not that person I was back there. Amen, I'm not. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. What you need to understand is you can't live a redemptive life by simply, you know, just saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. You need to receive the message. And you need to ask Jesus to forgive you. And listen, I listen, I made mistakes. Have you made mistakes? I've had failures. Have you had failures? Does anybody in here haven't made a mistake? Hasn't had a failure? But you know, the enemy will try to tag that failure. He'll try to tag that mistake on you and make you live like that mistake. But I want you to know the redemption of Jesus says old things are passed away. Amen. 
I am not going to be identified by a mistake I made or a failure I made. I'm a child of God washed in the blood and I'm going to live a grace-filled life. And I suggest you do the same. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, years ago, I had the privilege of preaching at Angola. And you know, Angola is known to be the place where they put, you know, the hardened criminals, the ones that have, you know, lifetime sentences, all that. And, uh, you know, as I was preaching, you know, I just felt an incredible grace there to preach. But, you know, as I was preaching, I was watching men repent, tears coming down their eyes and stuff. And, and you know, you know, it just amazed me that, you know, listen, some people might think bad about Angola, but Jesus does it. He thinks I need to visit Angola. And he does it whole. I, I know they've done some terrible things. But, you know, to see the joy in their faces, and it just reminds me of like, goodness gracious, man. The grace of God is so incredible. Oh, my Lord. Man, aren't you glad he's patient? I mean, I listen, as, a, as his son, I'm a knothead. I'm stubborn. I can be so ridiculous. And he just loves me through it. Thank God for his redemptive grace. Come on, how many of you glad for his redemptive grace? Amen. All right, number two, be strong in God's grace also means receiving the grace to enjoy victorious living. As we mentioned earlier, trials, tribulations, difficulties, battles come, right? We can't escape them. Adversity, problems, they are all part of life. But I believe we can expect the Lord to help us to get through our battles. It's not that we're not going to have battles, but I believe the Lord will help us get through those battles. Do y'all believe that this morning? 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does victory come through? The Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think everybody wants to give credit to anybody and everybody but Jesus. We need to give credit to Jesus. Jesus is extraordinary. And Jesus is how we'll live in extra. It's Jesus plus nothing. Amen. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus and Jesus and Jesus only. Amen. Jesus is the way, right? And he'll help you live victorious. Regardless of how many tough battles we face in life, God will give us the grace we need. Uh, again, Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about this, but when the apostle Paul was facing one of the darkest times in his life, he received these words of encouragement from the Lord in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Now, what, what powerful words to receive from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you. What does that mean? I believe it means that God will give you the grace you need to win every battle you face. I think that's what it means. I'll give you the ability to get through it. How many of you know his grace and his strength matches the giant you face? Like when David faced Goliath, God gave him, matched, he gave him the grace to defeat Goliath. Amen? And whatever Goliath you're facing today, God is going to give you the grace to match that Goliath and you're going to win that battle. Amen? That's the, that's a powerful promise. You know, not long ago I shared with a friend that you know, I went through a, a tough time in my life, you know, years back. And I said, man, I don't know if I could go through that again. I don't know if I could survive it. 
And then I heard what I was saying. And you want to preach to me right now? I say, yeah, buddy. Come on, listen to what you're preaching right now. The, the reality is, yes, I can. Because God's grace is sufficient. Yes, I can. What you're facing right now, you can get through. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient. Well, what do you mean, Todd? It means that God knows how hard it is. And he knows how to give you what you need to get through that hard time. He can match your hardness with his grace. He can match the, the severity of it with his grace. There's nothing that can outdo God's grace. It's not a limited grace. It's an unlimited grace. It's not like some problem, some circumstance can override and overcome his grace. His grace is greater than any circumstance, situation that we face in life. Amen. And so, you know, Brother Francis used to say, you know, people say, well, I don't know, Todd, if I would have the grace to be martyred for the Lord. And he said, well, you probably don't have the grace to be martyred for the Lord. But if you get in a situation where you got to be martyred for the Lord, the grace will be there. I like that. Amen. I like that. You know, we say, how in the world could they not give up on their faith after that? It's because of the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Are you all with me? How many of you know the grace of God will give do y'all believe this this morning? If you believe it, would you help me and just say amen? amen. All right. That means I, I, I agree with that. All right. Okay. So extraordinary living is God's living in God's victorious grace, right? And number three, to be strong in God's grace means receiving the grace for hopeful living. What is hopeful living? This is my definition. Hopeful living it's the confident expectation and anticipation of good things to happen in my life in the future. I'm not waiting for bad things to happen. I'm waiting for good things to happen. Why? Because I'm hopeful. Are y'all with me? Some people live waiting for bad things to happen. No, don't live like that. Live hopeful. Expect good things to happen in your life. Amen. Hopeful living is the internal feeling that allows you to expect and anticipate great things to happen in your life. Come on. How many of you, how many of you today say, I'm expecting great things to happen in my life? Let me see your hands. Let me ask it another way. How many of you say, man, Todd, I'm struggling to believe for great things. Man, it's, I've had such a tough go. I'm struggling to believe for great things to happen. Let me see your hands. I want to encourage you today. God wants to fill you with hope today. He wants to fill you with hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I think one of the main reasons believers can live extraordinary lives is because they have this powerful anchor of hope. I don't know if you've ever been boating or whatever, but if you've ever been boating, an anchor is a very valuable resource. You know, I've been out there like in the, in the Gulf or the Bay or whatever, and it gets really rough and you're trying to fish and your boat is like a cork out there. But you throw that anchor in there and, and the, the drift of the wind or the current starts pulling that anchor. And whenever that rope, gets taut on that anchor, something happens to the boat. The boat just straightens out. It, it starts riding those waves. There's a stability and a strength that comes to the boat because of an anchor. Are you getting the picture? Our hope is the anchor of our soul. When we're going through turbulent times, 
and turbulent waters and we feel like a cart that's being bobbed around out there, the hope that God gives us is the anchor of our soul. And it brings stability. And it brings strength to our lives. you got to live a hope-filled life, not a hopeless life. Because a hope-filled life will bring stability to your soul. Amen. Now, why should we be hopeful? Why should we be hopeful? Well, because we got a great promise. Amen. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Listen, hopeful, being hopeful is not to be confused with being wishful. You know, wishful thinking says, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I hope I can get through this trial. I hope I can make it. You know, hopeful living is not just being an eternal optimist, you know, like the ability to think positive, even when you're in a negative situation. Some people are eternal optimists, and, and I think that's great. The, the opposite is not good, right? You know, the eternal optimist always sees the glass half full instead of half empty. But hopeful living is more than that. Hopeful living is when you infuse with the spirit and the character of God. You can't buy hopeful living at the pharmacy. You can't buy hopeful living at the pub. You can't get it off the internet. Hopeful living comes from the spirit of the living God. That's where it comes from. It's the inner strength that we get from being filled with the spirit and the strength of God in our life. Come on, how many of you know, how many of you have been through circumstances where it's like, man, I don't know, I shouldn't be hopeful right now, but I am. Anybody ever ever feel that way? I, I see my sister right here. She had a transplant. Here she is. She's worshiping God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for the living hope that we have in Christ. How many of you believe that God is on your side this morning? Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our source of hope is not people. Our source of hope is not places and it's not things. Our source of hope is in the living God. Amen. I got good news for you this morning. If you're feeling discouraged or disappointed or defeated or despair, I want you to know that the God of hope is here and he wants to give you hope. He wants to encourage you. Come on, you still here. You're still breathing. It's not over yet. Amen. And listen, you might have, you might have lost a round or maybe five rounds, but it's not over yet. Come on. Come on. Be encouraged today. The God of hope is on your side. The God who didn't spare anything, who gave his all, gave his son, the savior who didn't spare anything that laid down his life life for his, his, his good sheep. He's not going to spare anything to help you get through what you're going through. Amen. All right. So extraordinary lives, living comes by number three, learning to receive God's grace. God's grace is available. God's grace was available all my life, but I didn't live in God's grace all of my life. Something happened to me where I begin to experience God's grace. 
And the scripture unpacks. How do you how do you receive God's grace in your life? Well, first of all, you know, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. You know, throne of grace, I see it as a place of God's provision for everyday living. And so grace is the resources, I think, of God to meet our need. It's the strength. It's the ability to face what you're facing. You know, the Bible talks so much about grace. It, it tells us we're saved by grace. We're forgiven by grace. We're healed by grace. We're liberated by grace. We're gifted by grace. We're, we're used by God through grace. We kept it. We're saved by grace. We're transformed by grace. We're spiritually maturing by grace. Everything's by grace. There's nothing that we have that is not because of the grace of God, right? And so the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know. Like, you know, I just try to get a picture of that. A throne of grace. Like the Lord is on his throne. Amen. He's got everything around him at his fingertips for every person on the globe. It's a throne of resources. And he says, once you come boldly to the throne of grace, what do you need today? The grace of God is there for you. Amen. The grace of God is there. Come on, how many of you want to come to the throne right now? How many of you need some something from the throne right now? He's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. We don't have to sit back and like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to bother him. I don't want to bug him. I don't want to make him feel like I'm just a, you know, I'm always in want. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace so you can receive mercy and help in time of need. Amen. So first of all, remember Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace. How do you receive grace? Number one, be confident in God's grace. You got to be confident of it. In verse 16, he says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. You know what I found? It's I had to learn about it. I had to, I had to gain confidence in it. You know, it's like whenever I started courting Tanya and I'd go to the Miller's house. When I first went, I wouldn't dare go to the refrigerator and help myself. I wasn't confident that it was okay. But you know what? The more I got in a relationship, and our relationship grew, my confidence grew. Now, I might have said, hey, Miss Louise, can I get some water? But I went for the refrigerator. Some of us, we're Christian, but we're not confident yet. We're not confident in the grace of God. We're still kind of like, I, I don't know. Is he okay? Is he in a good mood or bad? He's always in a good mood. He don't have blue Mondays. Come on. Go to the refrigerator. Ask him to help you. Amen. Number two, humbly ask for God's grace. James 4, 6, God opposes the problem and gives grace to the humble. How do you get more grace flowing in your life? You ask him, God, I need grace. How many of you know, I, that's a prayer he will always answer, right? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come humbly. You know, humility is not like being bashful or timid. It's, it's knowing that you need God. Amen. And so humility is like, I can't do it on my own. I need God's help. I'm, I, you know, I might be able to do a lot on my own, but I can't do everything on my own. I can't get through this by myself. I need God's help. And God says, great. I'm glad you're asking me for help. I'm on it. I'm with you. You're my child. I love you. And I'm going to be there. Amen.
And then number three, finally, receive the grace. Receive the gift of grace by faith. You know, in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 uh, and 9, it says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So how do you get forgiven of your sins and become saved? By grace or by faith? Actually, it's both. Right? You got to have grace and you got to have faith. It's, you know, so listen, you know, salvation comes by grace. In other words, I can't earn it. It has to be grace. But I have to have faith. When he offers it to me, it's a gift. I have to have faith. How do you receive grace? By grace through faith. Grace. See, God says, I'm going to give it to you. Just like he says, I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you the gift. You've got to have faith to receive it. How many of you have faith to receive it this morning? Would you close your eyes with me for just a second? Can you live an extraordinary life? Yes, you can, I think. I think you can. I think that's what Jesus was saying. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I think you can have an extraordinary life. But it all begins by receiving grace. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not a result of your works, lest anybody should boast. The Bible says everyone has sinned, including you. And until you ask the Lord to forgive you, basically, you have no you have no resource to the throne room of grace. So the first step is you've got to ask the Lord to forgive you. You've got to be humble enough to say, I'm cool but not cool enough to live my life without God. I need Him. And if you're willing just to repent of your sins, ask Him to forgive you, He will. And He'll come into your life. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to surrender my life to Christ. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. I, want, I don't want to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Just lift your hand just so I can see it. Just hold it up, sir. Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else right here? Ma'am, I see your hand. Anywhere else? Just hold your hand up and just say, that's me back here. Thank you. Right here. I see your hand. Let's pray this prayer together. Would you pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood for my sins so I could be forgiven and so I could live a life of grace. God, today, I humbly come to your throne room and ask you to forgive me. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for you. Lord, would you forgive me? Come into my heart. Come into my life. and Take control of my life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. If you would like some material to just kind of help you start a Bible, just fill it out, bring it to the lobby, to the, to the desk there. We have a gift for you. But how many of you today, you say, you know, Todd, I'm a Christian, but I need grace today because I want to live an extraordinary life and I want more grace. How many of you feel that way? Would you stand with me and let's pray together as we conclude this service today. If you have the liberty of the freedom, you know, I, I like to just, I like to just, just shoot my hands up in the air. It's like, I give, I give, I surrender. 
You know, if you're not surrendered, you're like this, like this, you know. But whenever I throw my hands up in the air, I'm saying, Lord, I everything. It's all yours. Come on. I mean, you feel that way. Lord, I'm all yours. Lord, I need grace. I want to live an extraordinary life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the supernatural grace of God would be released over this auditorium. I pray all despair, discouragement, distress, failure, mistakes. I pray it all just go away. Lord, may victory come today in the name of Jesus. May deliverance come in the name of Jesus. May encouragement come in the name of Jesus. Lord, may redemption come. Lord, may there be a revelation. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm free from my past in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the measure of grace that is being released over this house right now in the mighty name of Jesus I pray and everybody that received it said amen amen Amen. God bless you if you need prayer for anything we'll be up here